Praise the Lord, everybody. There we go. What a great, great night to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I am I'm very honored to be here. I give thanks to my uncle and my aunt, um, which are not only just family, but they are family that honor God, and they are also your pastors. And what a blessing it is to have family that serve God alongside you, and what great examples they have been to me. And I like to give thanks to a grandmother and a grandfather that have ushered the Spirit of the Lord into my life since I was born. And they have been a tremendous blessing to me. Yes, that's good. Give it up for them, both of them. Amen. And I'd like to give thanks to my parents. Currently, they are in service in Allen. And they do not only serve as my mother and my father, but they are my pastor as well. And what a blessing they have been to my life. They've said prayers in rooms that I've never even stepped foot in. And they've, they've just called down the name of the Lord into my life. And I thank them for that very much. So, And many of you guys probably didn't know um, until you made mention of it, but you guys have actually had an intern for the last three months. Okay? <laughs> And this is the first time that I'm out of service. I made um, I made a appearance at Vacation Bible School last week or two weeks ago. Yes, what a what a great time, Brother Patrick back there. Yes, sir. But you guys have had an internship, and I remember I was driving home uh, from school. It's about a nine ten hour drive, and I get home on a Saturday night. Went to bed. I was tired. Woke up Sunday morning, and my uncle texted me, said, "Call me." Right when you wake up, gave him a call, and he presented the opportunity of, of an internship. And I was, I was questioning, like, you know, what, what am I doing? And he said, you know, we're redoing the gym. Little did I know, <laughs> little did I know that there's only a couple fans in there. But I have, like he said, if anything, I have learned how to be a construction man. Or what I said yesterday, just a helper. And I can, I can carry the tool bags, and I can lift the heavy stuff. But, but in all seriousness, I do thank, thank them for the opportunity. It, is, it has been a blessing and kept me busy this summer. Um, and there's also another very special thing. This pulpit, this church has been very special in my heart. It's been a blessing to me. Um, in October 20th, 2013, I received the Holy Ghost in this altar at this church. And... What a, yes, sir. what a blessing that it is to be able to stand now, and that's by the grace and mercy and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, it has allowed me the opportunity to be able to preach a word unto y'all tonight. And another thing is that my great-grandfather, Brother Emberlin, I honor him. He preached to this church many years ago. And my grandfather preached this church. My uncle preached this church. My father preached to this church. And God has kept us, kept us safe in the lineage of God. And now I get the opportunity to preach to this church tonight. So it is very special to me. However, I will not hold any more of your time because I'm excited to preach a message that God has given me. Not just a sermon that's prepared to talk about, but it truly is a message 
from God, and I'm the vessel, the preacher, to give it. So in doing so, please follow me to the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 11. very powerful scripture. There's many different scriptures that mention the same thing, but this one's quite powerful. If you're there, say amen. 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 Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It says, and that knowing the time that now, everybody say now. Now. Now it is a high time to awake out of sleep. For now, say now. Now. Is our salvation nearer Then when we believed, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. With that verse, I'd like to introduce the thought today. It's now or never. And do not let today be another day of coming into church and you being living in the mundane and not getting what you want from God because you're not giving God what He wants of you. And let today be that day that you say it's now or never that I give to God what is meant to be His. With that being said, I pray you put your Bibles down, put your devices down, and join me in prayer that God will open our hearts and our minds to the preaching of His Word. Let us not just be hearers of your words, O God, but let us be doers. Let us take action tonight, O God. Let us be obedient to your Word, O God. We thank you for everything that you're doing, God, everything that you're going to do, and everything that you have done. We honor you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. name. Amen. I was nervous the first time I was preaching. I got asked in August or September of last year when I got to school. You you all may be seated. I got asked to preach. I just got, got to school. I was in my dorm room in a One of my friends now, I didn't know him at the time, his name was Aaron Lane. I give honor to him for giving me my first opportunity to preach. It was a very special time, and I give honor to it. But I remember getting that opportunity, and I said, I'll talk to my pastor, I'll pray about it. And I did so, and I felt peace to preach. And I remember I gave a few calls to a few men of God, and one of them said something to me that has forever changed my approach to speaking the word of God and ministering to others. And he said, he gave an encouragement to me. He gave me some, some pats on the back. You know, you'll do good. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. Be nervous. Never be too confident. But don't be scared to preach. It's meant to happen. It's the will of God. But he named a verse to me. And it was Luke 12, 11 through 12. And it said, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, Take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And that verse has forever changed my life. I can study to show myself approved. 
I can spend time with God. I can prepare. There's nothing like the Holy Ghost that's going to give you the message. And I can only encourage someone today, if you ever, ever feel God tell you to go talk to someone or go minister to someone, if you do not obey that, you may be quenching the Spirit. You may be quenching the Spirit, and that is not something that we want to do. It goes against what the Bible teaches. But the Holy Ghost will give you what to say. You just have to go. And we are only to obey the Word of God to go and preach and minister unto others. And that verse has given me confidence in the Word of God since I heard it. But my life did not, I didn't always just want to be at the pulpit. I always felt the, the pull of God. I always felt the calling. I never disobeyed it, but all I did was push it aside for a while and put my own priorities before it. And that dates back to in 2021. I remember I went, and at this time, I was no pro. I was not going to go to the NBA, but I would beat Riley Donahue in basketball. <laughs> and and I, I was very passionate. I loved it. It was not sin. It wasn't anything bad. But it was very, very controlling on my life, and that's what I wanted to do. But I remember... I started to feel the tug to ministry in Bible college, and I went to God, and I said, you know, God, I'll go to a preview of it, a version. I'll see how it looks. I'll see what happens. And I went to this preview, and I've heard the voice of God in my life, but not this strongly and not this audible. But I went to this preview, and I kneeled down on the altar on Thursday night when they had the big service, and I said, God, and I was kneeling down. No one could hear me. I was praying and praying in privacy, but still praying in authority and boldness. And I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, and this is where you want me to go, give me a confirmation and a sign that this is your calling. And five seconds later, very urgently, a voice knelt down and said right in my ear, said, you just prayed for a confirmation and a calling, and this is that. And I obeyed that. And I lost the passion for basketball. I still played. It was still fun. But it didn't outweigh the call of God on my life. It did not. And it, it wasn't sin. It wasn't, wasn't anything bad or carnal. But something that can seem so playful. And what the world's doing, the status quo, we all play sports. We all have fun. Behind the face of that was a distraction. And distraction, distraction can slowly turn to sin before you know it. And I remember it was only when I got in that altar that God spoke to me and he changed my life. But it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows after that moment. I still had things in the world that tugged on me. I lost the passion for basketball. I still played. I didn't want to give my life to it, though. And I remember... A year and maybe a summer went by, and I was presented. I, I loved doing photography and videography. It was a very cool niche to, to take part in. But I remember I, I got a job offer. I started working for these guys in the fitness industry, and nothing was bad about it, like I said, but it became a distraction. And I was, I was going. I was going into the office. It was very cool. It was people my age. I felt like it was a very nice environment to be in. They weren't doing anything bad, but I remember they presented me with an opportunity. And they said, when do you leave for school? 
I told them when, and they said, hey, what if we give you a raise? And by any means, it was not no millionaire or six-figure job. But at the time, it was a very cool, hey, I'm working with some fun guys. They're offering me salary. And they offered to raise this. And I was going in every day. I wasn't doing anything bad at the office. But I was spending my time there and growing in relationships with them. But it was slowly pulling me away from what really mattered. And I say all of that to introduce that last summer I came to TCYC. And I was not supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in Oklahoma at my now brother-in-law's church. My family was going up there. But it fell through. We did not go. And I came up by myself the first night, and my dad came with me the second night. But I felt the call to go, and I felt like God wanted me to go because something would happen. And I went, and I was praying, and I was praying in this very altar right there. And I said, God, what are you wanting of me? What is it? And by this time, I wasn't thinking that anything was, was disruptive with my call of God. But I started to want to take part in this job and it be what I want to do. Maybe I'll stay here for a year, then I'll go to Urshan, whenever it's best for me. But I got in this altar right here. And I remember it, I can quote it like it was yesterday. And I knelt down and I'm praying to God just like I was praying at Urshan. And I said, God, what is it? And a man came right down by my ear. And he said, Tavner. This is a familiar voice. This is Travis Houston. He's a very dear friend of your pastor. He's a mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor. I give honor to him for speaking into my life, but this is what he said. He said, Tavner, God gave me a vision of you, but it was not current you. It was you 30 years from now sitting in a big room at a big table, in a big chair. And what was on that table was your book of life. And you were flipping through the pages, and you were ripping out a page. And then you'd flip to the next one, and you'd rip out a page. And you say, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't choose to go there. I wish I didn't do that. Flip to the next one. I shouldn't have done that. I regret it. And he said, Tavner, God sent me to this service this week and this conference to tell you that this is the last time that you will get the chance to not live with the regret of following the will of God. And when he said that, he said whether it takes you 15 minutes or it takes you two hours, you keep your face in this altar until God tells you what to give up. And little did I know that this job was a distraction. I didn't think anything was bad about it. But in that moment, God said to me, leave it. And I didn't take immediate obedience to that. At first, I started to wonder. I was like, I, I, I said in prayer, I said, God, you know, this job, it was going to help me go to school. It was pre preparing my, my financial tuition for it. It was good. I, this is the plan. And he said again, he said, leave it. And I'll provide it. And I said, okay. And that was Thursday. On Friday, I woke up. I called off so I could be at the Friday night service. And I was sitting in that same seat right by your pastor and Brother Marks and Brother Houston. 
They started preaching in the Holy Ghost. And they started saying things that we were talking about the night before with Brother Darren. And he started hitting my leg. And he said, hear that? And they were confirming the word of God again. But I say all of that and I tell all of these stories to say the two monumental moments in my life that changed my life forever and made me give it to God was when I put my face in the altar and I said, God, it's now or never that I hear your voice. It's now or never. When I did that, it changed my life. And I challenge you and I charge you today. Today should be the day that you build your own altar. Today should be the day that you go to the altar. I know this is only a, a first Wednesday of the month. It's a special service. But it is no means, by any means, should it be anything that's, that's not allowing us to work in the Holy Ghost. You need to go to the altar and be obedient to God if he calls you to do so. And I charge you with that today. I charge you with it. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar. Say built an altar. Built an altar. There to the Lord who had appeared to him. And that last part says appeared to him. And the key to the appearance of the Lord is building an altar. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I can give more scripture with it. 2 Samuel 24 25 says, David built an altar. Say, built an altar. Built an altar. There to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. It was stopped. It wasn't stopped later on, it was immediately stopped. Because when he built that altar, he said, it's now or never. And when he did that, God came through just like he will every time. If you say, God, it's now or never. If biblical stories, if biblical examples aren't enough, I can apply ones that tie into the lineage and the history of this church. I was here at BBS. I was sitting by my grandmother. And you guys had two altars that were sitting out here. I believe they're in the prayer room right now. And my grandmother leaned over to me. She said, you know, my dad built those altars. I said, no way. Are you serious? And I was trying to, trying to calculate in my head, when was that? And I called to confirm it, but it was in 1952 that he built those altars. And those altars have stood as a rock. For that family that has led me to where I am today. Because if, was, if it was not for him building that altar and to where it is now in this church, then who knows what my grandmother would have done, who she would have married, who knows what my mom would have done, who she would have married, and who knows where I would be today. Because since it was from a young age, they implanted into my head that you go to the altar. You build your altar. That's okay. Praise the Lord right now. Don't let the stones cry out like they sang. Uh, 
I believe that in this time, just like we read in that scripture, it says our salvation is nearer than we thought. And I truly believe that we are living right now in the end times. I remember years ago when we first moved to Texas. We lived in Denison for about a year or two while our church and Alan was getting set up. We were doing a daughter work. We were building. We were not building, but we were trying to build the foundation of that church, yes. And we were tearing down, building up. We were going in a hotel lobby or hotel conference room. And during that time, I was attending church here. And this is back when there was Sunday nights. And I remember a Sunday night at your bishop. He preached a message about the rapture. And I kid you not, at a young age, it put the fear of God into me. It put the fear of God into me. And that message forever changed my life. Just shortly last week, me and my roommate, we were in North American Youth Congress. What a great time it was. But we were in the Marriott where he was staying. And near the elevator, we saw Brother Mangan. And he just recently preached. If you don't know who Brother Mangan is, he pastors a church in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. Very powerful church. He's done a very great job with it. But we saw him. And we said, we really need to, we need, we need to meet that guy. That's Brother Mangan. And... I remember after we built up enough courage to meet him, we went over. My roommate first. I can't take the full credit for it. But I was right there beside him. And we started talking to him. And the first thing we said was, Brother Mangan, you preached great tonight. It was the night he preached. Coolest thing. He came from 36,000 people of preaching. And then we meet him by the elevator. It's a very nice story to tell. However, the point is, and the first thing we say to him, we introduce ourselves, and then we say, Brother Mangan, you preached very good tonight. And then he looked me straight in the eye, and he said, how good did I preach? And I was like, this, this answer that I give, this is a heavy question. I didn't know where it was going with it. What I said to him, I said, wonderful. And that was the wrong answer. Because he looked at me in my eyes, and I was scared half to death. And he said, it was not wonderful. It's only wonderful, and it's only good if you apply it. And I took that word with me to preach unto you today, because I make reference of a message that was preached to me when I was very young. And when he preached about the rapture, I went to school the next day. I sincerely thought, that the rapture was going to happen. I thought that I was going to get brought up from earth up to heaven by the grace of God. And that I was going to, everything's happening, all the prophecies. The rapture is going to happen. And I was charged with it. Charged enough to be crying at night, crying in the mornings. But he preached about that. And the impact of that message, I can truly say, was wonderful. Because it changed the way that I thought and it changed the way that I act and everything that I do. Yeah. But when we see that the Bible says our salvation is nearer than we thought, I cannot hope, help to think that when I heard the message of the rapture, it did not happen when I went to school. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't happen while I was sleeping. <clears throat> and there was a book 
called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Some of you may know that. I'm calling you old. I'm just kidding. However, this book was written by Edgar Wisnant. And this man wrote a book about 88 reasons why the rapture will happen in 1988. And he had it down to a T with the dates and everything. And people read this book and they sincerely thought that the rapture was going to happen. Just like I sincerely thought that it was going to happen when Brother Gilbert preached it. But just because it did not happen, and just because we read in text that it's going to happen very soon, like a thief of the night, the Bible says, since we read that, and it hasn't happened yet, and we read it over and over again, there's two approaches that we can take. We can either think that just because I read it and it hasn't happened yet, I can get comfortable. Because when I read the book in 1988, it didn't happen in 1988. When I heard the message, it didn't happen after that message. But there is another way that you can think about it. And it is called being ready now or never. And that is the only approach that we should take. Because at one day, one day it will happen. And you will either be ready or you will not. The Bible says... In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh like a thief in the night. Matthew 24, 36 says, but the day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And I challenge you and charge you today that if it really is going to happen in this hour, then treat this hour like it is the last hour that you have. Because that is the only approach to take. If it was my last hour on earth, if it was my last time, and I'm either going to heaven or, God forbid, I'm going to hell, I would not be in mundane in my worship. I would not be not repenting. I would definitely be baptized, and I would be trying to get the Holy Ghost and the infilling of tongues so hard. Because that is what's going to happen. And if you do not have the Holy Ghost, then today is the best day for you. Because this is a church where you can get it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But I charge you that treat this hour, treat this time that we're living in, Like it really is the last hour. Because if it was, I would surely want to be ready. Because if you're not ready right now, then you never will be. Because you're not promised. You're not promised a second opportunity. You're not promised anything after the trumpet sounds. You are promised right now. And that is merely all that you get. So I challenge you to treat this like the last hour that you have. And if it was, I would be praising God like he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I correct myself. I said like he is. But he is. He's not like the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He's not like the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of lords. He's not God of the Old Testament, the one who did all these miracles, signs, and wonders. He is. 
And that same God is here today, and I preach that unto every one of you tonight. Because it's not something I'm making up. It's not something that I'm preaching for fun, for a response. Because I would never do that, but I said to you at the beginning, this is not a sermon, this is a message from God. And if there's been any day in our lives that God is going to come back and the end times are really going to be real, then it is in this hour, and I sincerely mean that. When I heard the message preached when I was younger, when I've heard it preached before, when I read it in the book, nothing compares to how I feel right now about the end times being near. And I say right now, that if you feel like you are too young, then no, you are not. Yeah. It is truly now that you should take action. Yeah. It is truly now that you should start that P7 club, whatever it is, young man, young woman. Yeah. It's now that you go into your school and you preach the gospel. Yeah. It's now, young lady, that you walk into school and the people wonder, why does her hair look like that? Why is it so long? Why is she dressed differently? Let them wonder because that interaction that they have with you can be the only interaction that they get to lead them to a church that preaches the truth. David was merely 15 years old, commentary state, when Samuel anointed him king in the midst of his own brothers. Commentary state that Samuel was around 12 years of age when he got called by God. And I tell you right now that your age should not be the reason that you procrastinate the calling of God on your life. Your age or your circumstance, Moses, he had a speech impediment, but he still led God's people. Nothing should push away the priorities of a Pentecostal lifestyle in a Pentecostal church. Like I said, now is the time. It's not the time for almost. It's not the time for just quite or almost saved or almost holy or almost righteous. It is the time for you to be righteous, be holy, and be saved. Acts 24, 25 says, And as he reasons of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Paul speaking to Felix. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I, I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I would never want to have a a response like Felix and say, when my time is convenient, I'll call back for you. You come to me and preach this gospel and preach this truth when I want to hear it. Because that's almost. That's not number one priorities. Again, I can say in Acts that the Bible says when Paul, speaking to King Agrippa, says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Imagine the rapture happening the next day. And he did not make it because he said, Almost you persuaded me. It is not the time to live in the almost... Or to live in the gap with one foot in the church and one foot out. I remember it was back when Brother Darren was youth president. He said to me at a camp, 
And I'm not sure if we've talked about this since the moment, but it's stuck into my life. Because it was the time that I was struggling with one foot in and one foot out. I wasn't backsliding by any means, but my priorities were not straight. And he said, you cannot have one foot in and one foot out. You can't be wanting everything that the world offers, but not be getting everything that the church gives. Because in order to get what the church has for you, what God has for you, you have got to be in with both feet set. Oh, God. There is not going to be a more convenient season or a more convenient time than the hour that you are in right now. You have the opportunity right now. Like he said, it's an opportunity to praise the Lord. You have the opportunity right now to be in the house of God. There is no convenient season. There's nothing that's going to compare to the church that you're in today with the truth that it preaches. I feel like this is interrupted just to bring back. But in, the, in this Bible, it is my grandfather's. But inside of it, there was a card. And while I was browsing through it, not for tonight, but when I got it, it had a card. You can't see it, but it says Truth Tabernacle. And this is the lineage of this church. This is the history of this church. And in quotation marks at the top, it says, In search of truth, a church that preaches what the Bible teaches. And nothing has changed about this church. Nothing has changed about this truth. And this church right now, as a preacher here preaching in the Holy Ghost, we are preaching the truth. We're preaching what the Bible teaches. There's nothing different about what I'm saying. Check my Bible. It's the same as yours. I'm getting the same scripture that you're getting. I'm getting the same word of God. But the only thing that might be different is when God gives me this word, I only preach it. Because if it's not now, then it's going to be never. Oh God. There's nothing else to do than obey. Bible says in Acts 19.5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name Lord Jesus. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it does not say when they heard this. An hour later, they got baptized. Or the next day. But these people knew that the, the word of God was so powerful, what was preached was so powerful, that when they heard this, they were baptized. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like they did it in the now. And we are only, only to act like them and to obey like them and do whatever God is calling of you in the now. If you were a first-time guest, if you were someone that hasn't been baptized, the best time to do it is going to be now. Because now... Now you have heard it. And once you hear it, you're responsible for it. So I preach to you right now. Don't let it be another day or another hour that you get baptized. Don't let it be another day or an hour that you hear from God. Because you need to do it right now. Because our salvation is nearer than we thought. It's coming like a thief in the night, I tell you. And I want to be ready. Oh, God. There's more people in the Bible 
that acted in the now. They acted in the now or never mentality. In Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 3, it says, And they came, bringing him to a paralytic, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men, the bringing a paralyzed man to Jesus. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from him. Above him, sorry. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And I pick up on verse 11. He says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Verse 12. And the man, he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before all of them. And they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And I challenge you today, if you have never seen anything like this, it's because you're not ripping off the roof. They were desperate for something. They were desperate for the miracle. And they might not be paralyzed, but I know that one of you have a family member or a friend that does not know Jesus. And I pray that you rip open the door to this church and you bring them in saying, I got to get to Jesus. They need Jesus because that is the only way that they might get to Jesus. If you pull them in because they cannot do it themselves, they are paralyzed. I can bring another one to your knowledge. Matthew 9, starting with verse 20, says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him. And touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And we see that again. That hour she was made whole in the now Because she got so desperate that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she knew that she could be healed. And I tell you today, you do not just have access to the garment, the hem. You have access to the whole thing. You're in here right now. That's not just squeezing the door, saying if I could just get the hem. You're at the same altar that I was spoken to by God and my life changed forever. It's not just the hem, it's the whole thing. And this church is something that offers the whole thing. And I tell you today, we are living in a wicked day. In the first introductory verses it says, not in riot and drunkenness, not in envy and strife. And I see that today. Every single day, every single place I go, I see it. I see the riots. I see the drunkenness. And it, 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 in my spirit, I feel that it is just like Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah, yeah. a city of wickedness. Yeah. We are living today in a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. They're going to offer you so much. And it might not look like sin, but behind the face, 
of whatever it's offering you, if it looks enticing to the eye, it can be sin behind it. And that doesn't mean that it's evil. It doesn't mean that it's wicked. But a distraction of something pure can lead to sin. If it starts to become an idol. Basketball was not evil. The job was not evil. But the distraction was. Because it was trying to pull me from the direction that God had set me in. The Bible says, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And I can only help but to echo that now is not your time to pitch your tent toward Sodom. Now is not the time to step into what the world is offering in. It is the time to step away from it. It's the time to live like God intended us to live. But it does not just say that he settled in Sodom. This was prior. This was before. But it says that he just pitched pitched his tent. He didn't settle. He just looked towards it. All he did was open the door to it. And we do that every day, and we don't even look at it like it's sin. But slowly and surely... When that door is open and that distraction is placed in front of you, before you know it, you start stepping in that direction. And then you look back, and it's all gone. You're turned to a pillar of salt because you were not obedient to the word of God, and you were not saved yet. Now is not the time to act and live like the people of this world or Sodom. But we are called to do more and to be more. Yeah. We are called. Yeah. 1 Peter 2.9, every one of us can know this. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And now is to act like that people. Act like you're a chosen generation. Act like you're a royal priesthood. When everybody's talking about the generation right now, let them say, you know what? That's about the world's generation. But God's generation right now, it's a holy nation. It's a peculiar people that we should be praising him because he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now is the time to be obedient to that. Now is the time. To act like David. Yeah. And now's the time. I preach to a young man right now to preach like Peter. And fight like Samson. And young lady, have faith like Mary. Yeah. Because if we are not acting like this, these people, they're not just characters in some made-up story. Wow. Yeah. They're not. These are real people with real callings. And we have the same thing in our lives right now. Yeah. Oh, God. Convict us, oh, God. Convict us, oh God. Oh Lord. Now is not the time. Now is not the time to sit and procrastinate all this that I'm preaching to you today. It is now or never. Now is the time to see miracles. I got convicted in my spirit a few weeks ago. I was talking to a man. And I said, you know, I don't see these miracles that the Bible talks about. 
and all these, these, these overseas revivals, I don't see the blind eyes healed, and I don't see the people get out, out of wheelchairs. And I got convicted because I said, Tabner, when was the last time that you saw someone in the streets or in a store or in a church that were in a wheelchair, and you didn't go up and pray for them? It's not just the church that we're supposed to be praying for people and ministering. The miracles can, seen, can be seen outside of just a building. This building is not confined. The miracle work and power of God. But it's meant to go everywhere. God convicted me of that. But I tell you what I feel in this church today. This church is a church that prays for miracles. If there's anyone today that has a miracle that you need, please make it known so we can pray for you because my faith is charged today to pray for these miracles. And I pray that you feel the same anointing that God has brought into this place today because it's now or never to pray for the miracles. It's now or never to act on this. And as a musician comes up, play. I'm in closing. You may all stand. One of the most important things. Is this okay? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going too long. Is this okay? Now is the day to most importantly find your salvation. Because the day is nearer than we thought. Today, prodigal son, is your time to come home. Come on. Even though you turned away. The Father is still welcoming you with open arms. In Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. Under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I give you another scripture in Acts. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, We all ought to know this. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I only mention this because how can I preach about salvation if I'm not preaching how to be saved? And these are the steps that the Bible gives us. When they heard this, they were obedient in the now. Well, you ought to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You ought to repent, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is how you can be saved, and if there's anyone in here that hasn't been saved, then please let today be the day that you are, because we're not promised tomorrow, and we're not promised a second chance. We only get one. Bible says in Matthew 7, 21, 23, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and when I say that day, I'm meaning the rapture. This is prophecies. This is what's going to happen. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have you done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is the only way to salvation. This is the only way to your miracle. This is the only way to your blessing. So I charge you and I challenge you today to run to this altar with arms lifted up and your voices raised. Because if it's not now, it is never. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised another way to get to heaven. And if there's anyone in here that says, I'm saved already, then I specifically say to you, if there's someone that you know that is not saved and does not know Jesus, and today is the day that you intercede for them, and you pray that God pricks their heart to bring them to the same altar, and they can be saved there.